Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Worcester's Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with the permission of Worcester News and recorded on Thursday the 6th of September 2018 here at Colin Chance House, Worcester. I'm Evelyn Brock, editor, and with me to read the news articles are Paddy Fellows, Hugh Thomas and Moira Lowe. Our sound engineer is John Plush. A warm welcome to new listeners, and I hope you enjoy our offering. In addition to news items, you'll hear some useful telephone numbers, readers' letters, birthdays and obituaries, on this day and thought for the week. Do let us know your birthday so that we can greet you, especially when that time comes. The service is free to users, but if you wish to make a voluntary donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. We do like hearing from you, and a message can be left on our answer phone. 01905-767-766 or add a note to your wallet. Our listeners are kindly reminded to return memory sticks promptly to facilitate a smooth operation and use of resources. As from now, you will only receive two weeks of recordings. If neither of these are returned, you will not receive further recordings. If you are unwell or have a problem, please use that answer phone number I've just given to you and leave a message to that effect. The headlines of this week, which are sadly dominated by the death of young Thomas Jones from the University of Worcester, are these. Friday, September the 28th, taxi firm founder guilty of sex... Saturday, September the 29th, Heartbreak. Monday, October the 1st, Tributes for Student Tom. A double headline on Tuesday, October the 2nd. Tom's 18 years have gone like a flash. And also, I'm going to smash your skull. Wednesday, October the 3rd. Schoolboy Hero Saves Elderly Lady, <coughs> and October the 4th, Rapist Escapes from Court. I'll now ask each of our new readers, of our readers, to introduce themselves and read a headline article. I'll start, and then we'll meet Hugh and go round our table. So the headline for Friday, September the 28th, Taxi firm founder guilty of sex assault. A former taxi firm owner has avoided having to sign the sex offenders register despite being guilty of sexual assault. Shalkat Hussein founded City Taxis Worcester some years ago and while no longer running the firm at the time of the assault was working for it, the court heard yesterday. The victim, who cannot be named for re legal reasons, said she turned to antidepressants mm -hmm. following the incident and, quotes, 
bought really baggy, unflattering clothes. I came home that night in floods of tears, she told the Worcester News. It would have been my word against his. It caused me a big headache. The incident took place on January the 8th with 63-year-old Hussein arrested and charged with sexual touching without consent on June the 6th. Mary Toussaint, defending, pleaded with magistrates to give her client a community order less than 12 months, which would provide him having, prevent him having to sign the sex offenders register. The solicitor said Hussein of Victoria Avenue, Worcester, is struggling to come to terms with the matter and has a lot of medical matters, and this is of particular concern to him and to his health. She said the defendant has been involved with a taxi business for some time and, as we have heard in recent times, has given it up, more or less. He just works on and off because he has had this interest and it's been his life, added Mrs Toussaint. At the time of the incident, he had been going in there to help out. He was not a manager at the time. She argued, bearing in mind he is deemed to be of low risk and has not been convicted of anything previously for 13 years, he should not be forced to sign the register. The court heard that the sexual touching took place over the victim's clothes. Hussein was sentenced yesterday at Worcester Magistrates Court, having initially been found guilty at a hearing on Tuesday, September the 25th. Richard Poppleton, chair of the bench, said he and his colleagues took into account Hussein's health and age and in the circumstance you are now a low risk. He ordered the defendant to pay £500 in compensation to the victim and was given a 10-month community order as well as made to pay a further £625 in court costs. The victim said Hussein is a danger to women in the area and hoped he would lose his taxi licence. Oh, hi. <clears throat> I'm Hugh and sadly reporting on the, uh, the Worcester University student Thomas Jones. The search for missing student Tom Jones ended in heartbreak yesterday with the discovery of his body. I'm reading from Saturday's edition. Thousands of people took part in the search for the 18-year-old University of Worcester student after he went missing last Wednesday. Police firefighters and paramedics were called to Worcester Bridge yesterday after witnesses reported seeing a body in the River Severn at around 3.45pm. A police cordon was set up near Browns at the Quay and Worcestershire County Cricket Club when officers arrived at the scene. A search and rescue boat travelled up the river and transported what was thought to be Tom's body to an ambulance waiting at Worcester Dragon Boat Racing Club. Tom disappeared on his way home from a night out in the city centre in the early hours of Wednesday, September the 19th. Posters asking witnesses to contact the police were placed in supermarkets, shops and car windows and on lampposts across the city after he went missing. 
the Find Jonah Facebook page, which has helped in the search for the teenager, said over 25,000 posters were handed out on Thursday. A statement from West Mercia Police yesterday said, Sadly, officers searching for missing 18-year-old Thomas Jones have recovered a body from the River Severn in Worcester today. Thomas's next of kin have been informed, but as formal identification has not yet taken place, no further details can be released at this time. Tom's parents, Ian and Vicky Jones, previously worked with police to retrace his steps on the night he went missing. They believe he went to McDonald's at around 3am after partying in Velvet Nightclub. He then walked towards his St John's home, doubling back to buy a drink and sent a Snapchat to friends from near Worcester Racecourse. Police say he crossed Sabrina Bridge before walking along the path at the top of the Hilton Road Road flood defences in the direction of Hallow. Hello, it's Moira. My headline is from Monday the 1st of October and again the headline is Tributes for Student Tom and on the cover is the start of pictures of floral tributes on Sabrina Bridge. The city has united in tribute to 18-year-old university student Tom Jones. People have shared their heartbreak after Tom's body was found in the River Severn in Worcester on Friday. Thousands took part in the week-long search for Tom, who went missing after a night out in Worcester last Wednesday. A candlelit vigil for Tom was set to take place at Worcester's Sabrina Bridge last night and bouquets of flowers were left next to the railings. Harley Hetherington, her family friend who organised yesterday's vigil, wrote on the Fine Jonah Facebook page, Mm. Tom, the whole country loves you, mate, and even further beyond. Mm. We all know you're up there somewhere smiling, and knowing you are and always will be loved by every single one of us. Mm. You were and always will be in every single one of our hearts, and we will all love you forever. Mm. Thank you for being in all of our lives and making us all smile. He also thanked the thousands of volunteers who took part in the search for Tom. Football teams across Worcestershire, including Bromsgrove Sporting and a number of youth sides, held a minute's silence for the teenager at matches this weekend. West Bromwich Albion fans also honoured Tom, who supported the side, by chanting, he's one of our own, Thomas Jones is one of our own, during Saturday's game. Professor David Green Vice-Chancellor and Chief Executive of the University of Worcester said, Our thoughts are very much with his parents, wider family and friends at this most tragic time. We are offering additional support to students and staff affected by this heartbreaking news. Readers spoke of their anguish at the death of the student who was due to study primary teaching and shared messages of support for his family. Munslow Marie wrote on the Worcester News Facebook page, As an ex-Worcester University student and primary teacher myself, this story has made me reflect upon the new chapter that you were about to start. So much life ahead of you. Rest in peace. Worcester will never forget you. Robin Walker, Worcester's MP, said, It's a sad moment for the city, but I want to thank all of those people who engaged in the search. Tom's parents, Ian and Vicky Jones, worked with police to retrace his steps in the early hours of Wednesday when he disappeared. 
Police say he crossed Sabrina Bridge at about 3.30am before walking along the path to the top of Hilton Road flood defences towards Hallow. Now, this is Paddy Fellows reading a sort of follow-on from Tuesday, October the 2nd, with pictures of Tom and all the floral tributes that were left. The parents of Tom Jones said they were overwhelmed with the amount of support shown in the search for their son. Tom, who was 18, had moved to Worcester to study at the university just days before disappearing in the early hours of September the 19th after a night out at Velvet. Alongside the police search for Tom, friends set up Facebook group Find Jonah, while missing posters were spread as far as Birmingham before the body was found on Friday. Sadly, Tom's body was found in the River Severn on Friday afternoon. Police have said that no further information can be released regarding the information into Tom's death until formal identification and a post-mortem has taken place. Two vigils were held on Sunday evening at Sabrina Bridge, Worcester, and at the Oak Halls at Bromsgrove, where Tom was from. More than a thousand people attended the Worcester vigil, where candles and flowers were laid and speeches were given. In a particular poignant moment, everyone turned on their phone torches as Oasis Wonderwall was played. In Bromsgrove, lighted candles were laid below the estate's information board, where two West Bromwich Albion shirts were draped. Tom was a huge fan of the football club. Speaking to the crowd in Worcester, Tom's mum, Vicky, said his 18 years have gone like a flash. We have got so many happy memories. It's overwhelming. Thank you for your love, support and comments. We will get through this and be strong for his memory. Mrs Jones added that she will miss her son every day for the rest of her life. She said she's just grateful for everything that Tom had given to her and his family and expressed pride of the support shown for her son. Tom's dad, Ian, (coughs) said we're absolutely overwhelmed. If he realised what was happening tonight, he would have a fit. We would like to thank every single one of you. As parents, we couldn't be any prouder of him and his achievements. Worcester's Mayor Jabariaz, who was in attendance at the vigil, said the city has taken this teenager from Bromsgrove as one of their own, describing Tom as an adopted son of Worcester. It speaks for itself. The volume of people that are lining the riverbank of both sides and on the bridge, he continued. Words can't describe the amount of emotion here tonight, the amount of love, empathy and togetherness. I'm so proud of the city and of the people that have come out today and shown the real soul of Worcester. It's extremely emotional. It's a beautiful moment for the parents, his friends and the city. Also in attendance was David Green, the University of Worcester's Vice-Chancellor. He told the Worcester News, For a university, the worst thing that happens is the death of a young student. I'm very upset. This is the hardest bit of being the head of the university. 
he was training to be a teacher. I'm sure he would have been a brilliant teacher. Look at how he communicates with people. This is the most extraordinary demonstration of love and solidarity for a young man who was clearly outstanding. It makes you proud to be a human being. I think his parents have been so dignified in such terrible circumstances. I think they've won the hearts of absolutely everybody. We have to carry on, as Tom's parents said, he added. Tom's close friend, Harley Hetherington, who set up the fine Joan Facebook page, told the Worcester News that a Just Giving fundraising page would be launched to seek donations for a permanent memorial for Tom. See, find the Jonah page for details. And that's it. Now, the second headline, there were a double headline on Tuesday, October the 2nd. I am going to smash your skull. And the subheading, I am going to chin you. Two PCSOs were forced to retreat to their patrol car and call for backup when dealing with an aggressive drunk man in the city centre. Jack Payne threatened to smash the skulls of police community support officers Harley Youngs and Toby Stevenson during a drunken tirade after they approached him on the cross. The 21-year-old was described as heavily intoxicated by prosecutor Kerry Lovegrove, speaking before magistrates last week. He had been out drinking when the officers approached him at 9.30pm on September the 12th. Having upset members of the public and refused to cooperate with the PCSOs, Payne stood in the middle of the road before threatening officers. I will knock you out, he told one of the officers. Big man in uniform, I am going to smash your skull. He then went on to say, I'm going to chin you. What are you going to do when I smash you? The officers, fearing for their safety, retreated to their patrol car and called for backup. Payne of Rodborough Drive has 12 previous convictions from 21 similar offences and was sent briefly to prison in June for an incident which included threats of violence, the court heard. Two PCs then arrived, but the defendant continued to be uncooperative. After he was arrested, he resisted being put in the police van by putting his foot against the door frame, said Mrs Lovegrove. He was then taken to the police station and to the cells, where again he was difficult with staff, the court heard. Mrs Lovegrove said Payne had ongoing issues with alcohol, and when interviewed later, he was asked on a scale of 1 to 10 how drunk he had been, to which he said 10. She said the defendant also takes medication for depression. Edward Gaynor-Smith, defending, said after Payne had sobered up, he was apologetic and embarrassed for everyone involved. He accepted charges of using threatening words and behaviour with intent to cause fear or unlawful violence and obstructing a constable. He was given a 12-week sentence, suspended for 24 months and fined £20 with 30 rehabilitation activity days. A much more uplifting headline from uh, Wednesday, October the 3rd. <clears throat> Schoolboy hero saves elderly lady. 
a heroic schoolboy, helped save a pensioner's life on his walk to school. Mohammed Shazeb, 13, was walking the typical route to his school, Blessed Edward Alcorn Catholic College, on Monday, September the 14th, when he heard something unusual. Mohammed explained that he could hear heavy breathing, yet could not work out where it was coming from. As he continued up the street of Victoria Place, Worcester, an elderly lady in her front garden started yelling for help and asking for an ambulance. Mohammed said, I was so shocked, I stood there for about five seconds and realised that this lady was asking me to do something, so obviously I should go and help her. Mohammed recognised the woman, Lorna Crofter, as they are neighbours and have previously met before in the area. He was taken by surprise, and once the realisation of what was happening kicked in, he ran home to his family on Upper Park Street. He found help and brought his mother, sister and cousin to Lorna's front garden. Lorna clarified that she was struggling to breathe and had been trying to get the neighbour's attention all morning. However, people kept walking past and ignoring her request of an ambulance. Lorna suffers with coronary syndrome and stage 4 bowel cancer. In addition to this, Mohammed mentioned she struggles physically, judging on the way she walks. The Shazeb family retrieved the essential medicines that Lorna needed from her house and phoned up the ambulance. A letter was posted the following day to Mohammed's address thanking him. The letter from Lorna said, I told the ambulance crew and the staff at A&E that you helped me. They all know how much I have struggled to control my coronary syndrome on top of my stage 4 bowel cancer. You were amazing. You listened, got your adults and gave me help straight away. I would love to see you getting an award. Many adults do not react the way you did and I am grateful beyond measure. Mohammed said, I have done everything, I have done everyone proud, my family, friends, the school and the local community. All my friends at school have been telling the teachers what I have done and that I am a hero. I'm not a hero. I didn't help Lorna for that reason. I did it for the good of other people. I have been brought up to help others in need. I feel really good about helping Lorna, although I've been trying to forget about it, as the whole experience is still very shocking to me. I have never been in a situation like that before. It was quite traumatic. Greg McCleary, head teacher at Blessed Edward Alcorn Catholic College, added, We're very proud of Mohammed. We did know his family well. We know his family well, and he has made them very proud. One of the things we talk about at school is looking out for those who are more vulnerable than ourselves. <clears throat> and Mohammed is a shining example of that to all of us. Bless him. Okay, well, I'm going back to not a good story again. Um, headline is Rapist Escapes from Court, and this is from today's paper. 
A rapist jumped the dock and escaped after he was convicted of a seedy and sordid sex act on a teenage girl in Worcester. Bradley Tout vaulted over the dock in Court 3 at Worcester Crown Court yesterday as prison officers gave chase. Only moments before the dramatic escape, the 20-year-old and a co-defendant, Kulin Odedra, had been unanimously convicted of rape. The rapes took place at County Hall in Worcester and at another more isolated location near Warnden Villages on the outskirts of the city on December 27, 2016. There had been sobbing from the public gallery from the moment Tout was convicted of rape and when he bolted, a member of Tout's family shouted, He's innocent. Jury members, barristers, court staff, police officers in the case, dock officers and members of the public in the gallery above the court looked on in astonishment as the court's alarms rang out. Seconds before he escaped, Tout could be seen with both hands on the dock, which is more than three feet high. With a sudden, violent motion, he vaulted over the dock wall, catching his feet on the edge, stumbling slightly as he ran away. However, he swiftly regained his balance, only to crash hard into a wall with his shoulder and then into another wall as he sprinted through a narrow corridor out of the courtroom. From there, he fled through a set of double doors and on through the atrium of the court, passing the security officers and heading out through the metal detector and onto Fourgate Street. The Worcester News understands that security staff positioned at the main entrance had not been informed of the conviction of Tout and Adedra and therefore could not respond to the dynamic situation. At one point, a large male dock officer came up from the cells into the court but ran the wrong way as one of the barristers, Adam King, shouted, Go right. Mm. Three dock officers returned to the dock breathless and looked shocked after failing to apprehend Tout. Judge Nicholas Cartwright, addressing the jury, said, Well, I've never seen anything like that happen before. <laughs> Tout, of Durham Road, Ronxwood, was convicted of a single count of rape. Odedra, aged 28, of Canterbury Road, Ronxwood, was convicted of two counts of rape, one of attempted rape and one of assault by penetration. <coughs> Tout, Odedra and a third man, Kasim Multani were cleared of paying for the sexual services of a child using alcohol and soft drinks. Mr Multani, 20, only faced that single charge and left the court a free man. Odedra was found not guilty of attempting to sexually exploit a child under the age of 18. Earlier in the trial, the girl aged 16 at the time of the offences gave evidence at court declining a screen so she was in full view of the public gallery, which included members of the families of defendants. How brave. The sex attacks happened in Tout's car after he parked it behind a skip in County Hall, and later that same evening at the isolated location described as being near Warnden villages in Worcester. The case was prosecuted by Stephen Bailey, who said in his opening, This case is about the sexual exploitation of a 16-year-old girl. You will hear evidence of pretty seedy, sordid behaviour. There are no hearts and flowers in this case. Romeo and Juliet it isn't. The defendants had claimed the girl was willing and Odedra, who referred to women as slags, had claimed the girl was up for it and wanted a threesome. But the girl said in a video interview she had not wanted sex with them and had repeatedly pushed Odedra's hand away and did not consent to sex with Tout in front of Odedra, a stranger to her.
She said, I felt upset that I had been used. They were just passing me around just like I was this piece of meat. The girl also took photographs of bruises to her body, which she said were sustained as a Dedra slapped her while she was having sex with Tout. Tim Harrington, who appeared for the prosecution on the day of verdicts, said Adedra had five previous convictions for six offences, including possession of an offensive weapon on school premises and wounding. Mm. Tauter's convictions for criminal damage, driving offences, assaulting a constable and battery. He said a starting point for the sentence of rape was 10 years in custody with a range of 9 to 13 years. He said it was culpability A because there had been a significant degree of planning. Aggravating features including the location of the offences, the use of alcohol and drugs and the vulnerability of the victim. Sexual harm prevention orders will be imposed on Tout and Adedra which will prohibit contact with the victim and any contact with a child under the age of 18 including in a car with people under 18. The sentence of Tout and Adedra is scheduled to take place today. The judge said if Tout had not been apprehended by then he would be sentenced in his absence. When the Worcester News went to press West Mercia Police confirmed they had officers out looking for Tout. Right. Now this headline says I will have a child by a cancer survivor and there's a picture of a lady who's lost seven stones so she's done a great job. A woman who's lost seven stones to have a baby had her dreams shattered by womb cancer. Mm. Samantha Roberts from Fernal Heath near Worcester and her husband Daniel who's 36 were desperate to have a child of their own. This inspired Samantha, 33, to join Slimming World in 2013. She said, I was around 20 stone at my heaviest, and I don't ever want to be that size again. Through the gym and Slimming World, I had managed to lose 7 stone by 2016. I was doing really well and I felt fit and healthy. Despite this, Samantha had been seeing medics with an ongoing basis on an ongoing basis as she was suffering unusually heavy periods. In 2015, she was admitted to A&E as she was bleeding, bleeding profusely. Doctors told me my iron levels were dangerously low. I was given a laparoscopy, but the results didn't feel anything. I was not happy as the problem wasn't getting any better. And I just felt that something wasn't right, she said. She pushed for further consultations, which, by this time, a new consultant took over, insisted uh, Samantha should have a final biopsy. The results found cancerous cells in the lining of Samantha's womb, which led to her receiving an MRI scan. Later, it was confirmed the cancer cells had developed into a great tumour, which meant Samantha needed emergency surgery. She had a full hysterectomy and 21 lymph nodes removed on December the 19th, 2017 at Cheltenham Hospital. Samantha said, last Christmas was awful. I just kept thinking, this is going to be my last Christmas. I was devastated and so scared. My dreams of having a child vanished in one swoop. Samantha had brachytherapy in February 
2018, which worked successfully, and now she requires three monthly checkups. Her three stepdaughters have been at her side the whole way and shown support throughout Samantha's treatment. Samantha and Daniel are adamant they will have children together someday, whether that is through adoption or surrogacy. She added, I will eventually have a child. I've had people offer to be a surrogate. I won't give up. In the meantime, she's determined to lose more weight and has returned to Slimming World at Cherry Orchard Day Centre, Worcester. Sam Crosswell runs the group on Mondays from 5pm to 7pm and also on Tuesdays at 7pm. So for more details, you can call Sam on 07757 making a contribution, one always feels so helpless in situations like this. It's called Memorials for Jonah. A crowdfunding page has been set up to raise money for memorials in honour of student Tom Jones. The teenager who was known as Jonah vanished in the early hours of September the 19th after a night out at Velvet during his first week at the University of Worcester. A body found in the River Severn in Worcester on Friday has been formally identified as the 18-year-old. The Just Giving page, which has already raised more than £5,000, is hoping to fund memorials at the University of Worcester, West Bromwich Albion Football Club, South Bromsgrove High School and Bromsgrove Sporting Football Club. Writing on Facebook, Thomas Friend Harley Hetherington, who set up the page, said, We will never forget the amazing person you were. I hope you're brightening up heaven and making sure everyone up there knows why we all loved you so much. Mm -hmm. He added, As of yet, no official memorials are being planned. The family deserve their time to remember Tom in their own way. Posting on the crowdfunding page, Harley said, A true legend was lost but the memory of him deserves to live forever. Tom's death is currently being treated as unexplained and a post-mortem is ongoing. Superintendent Damien Pettit said, I would like to extend my sincere condolences to Thomas's family. Over the course of the investigation, the support that they have received from friends and members of the public to help try and find Thomas has been greatly appreciated. Police and Crime Commissioner John Campion added, My thoughts and prayers are with the family and friends of Thomas Jones at this unimaginably difficult time. Thousands took part in the week-long search for Tom, who went missing after a night out in Worcester. Two vigils were held on Sunday evening, one at Worcester Sabrina Bridge and the other on the Oakhalls Bromsgrove, where Tom was from. More than a thousand people attended the Worcester Vigil where candles and bouquets of flowers were left next to the railings. He had enrolled to study primary initial teacher education, moving to the city on September the 15th. All additional proceeds will go to charities chosen by Tom's family. To make a donation, go to 
justgiving.com slash crowdfunding slash remember hyphen Jonah. A young girl feared she would be raped as she was sexually assaulted by a pensioner. The victim, who was just 12 at the time of the assaults, watched Dennis Jones sentenced from the public gallery of Worcester Crown Court on Thursday. The 69-year-old of Bonus Close Worcester had previously admitted two counts of sexual activity with a child and a further count will be allowed to lie on file. The offences happened on November the 21st last year. Gareth Walters, prosecuting, described how Jones stood between the girl's legs and sexually assaulted her for five minutes while he talked to her, though the girl said she could not remember what he was saying. Jones made inappropriate comments, including complimenting her on her breasts. At one stage, the girl texted her mum, asking for help. One message to a friend said, I am scared. The girl said in a statement, I thought he was going to rape me. He did not let me go. He kept saying yes, and I kept saying no. When confronted about what he had done, Jones denied it. He was arrested the next day. The girl said in a victim personal statement, Since this happened, I have been suffering from anxiety and panic attacks. This would involve me feeling really negative towards people. I kept thinking, why me? What did I do to deserve this? Why did he pick me to do this? Jones had no relevant previous convictions, Mr. Walters said. Uh, Jones had displayed grooming behaviour and there was a significant disparity in age. He said it was an aggravating feature that there was more than one offence and that there was a genuine fear of rape. Richard Hull, defending, said... Jones was capable of being rehabilitated, but acknowledged the girl's distress had been amplified by the defendant's initial denial. He asked the judge to give Jones what credit he was able to for his guilty pleas and said the impact of his admissions had been immediate. The impact on his relationship with his wife has been dramatic. They remain resident together. There may be a possibility that the defendant can remain in a relationship with his wife, although it is changed forever by what he did. He said he wishes he could put, could, could put the clock back. It should never have happened. Judge Nicholas Cole, who praised the girl for her bravery, said to Jones, To your credit, you ultimately pleaded guilty. You did so through your solicitor before the trial, therefore saving the victim from the ordeal of having to give evidence at the trial. Nonetheless, you have taken from her the sort of innocence a child of this age has a right to expect. The judge sentenced him to 12 months in prison, suspended for two years. Jones must also complete 50 rehabilitation activity days.
A sexual harm prevention order was made and he was warned that if he breached it, he could be jailed for up to five years. Jones will also be subject to notification requirements, which means he must inform police of any change of name, address or any other particular for 10 years. He will be barred from working with any child or other vulnerable person. Jones must pay £1,000 costs. A heroic man who saved the life of his school friend when he fell through ice on the Worcester Canal has been reunited with him after 60 years. John Roberts, aged 77, pulled the then 12-year-old Gilbert Phelps from the canal by his hair after he fell into the water near St Paul's Street. The pair were reunited on Saturday, September 15th, after Mr Phelps, aged 74, saw our front-page story last month about Mr Roberts, who suffers from polycystic kidney disease, being helped by a group of teenagers after he suffered a medical emergency in the Shambles, Worcester. They have since shared a cup of tea and spent three hours together recalling their school days at St Paul's. Mr Roberts of Guildford Close, Ronxwood, said, I couldn't believe it when he came to my house. When he came out of the car, he said, You are my hero. I said, Don't you call me a hero. You're my friend. Mm. He came in and I gave him a cup of tea and a biscuit, and I never charged him. We talked about the teachers at St Paul's. He stayed for about three hours and we reminisced about old times. It all came back to me. Mm. Mr Roberts added, When he told me the teacher had put on the board that I had saved his life, I thought that was brilliant. Mr Phelps of White Ladies Clothes Barbon said, I haven't seen him in years. I would see his brothers, but I never saw John. He saved my life. I couldn't remember a lot of what happened. I was in front of John, from what I remember. My sister, who went to the same school, had to take me home soaking wet. He added, We had a really good chat. We swapped photos and I showed him my grandchildren and he showed me his. They now plan to meet up regularly for a cup of tea. Mr Phelps worked at Royal Worcester Porcelain Factory for 48 years. Mr Roberts, who worked at Heenan Coolers in Worcester for 30 years, also saved a life on November 26, 1984, when he helped rescue a neighbouring family from a fire in Mayfield Avenue, Worcester. My next piece is about wigs for cancer patients. A cancer awareness talk will be taking place with the opportunity for patients to be fitted with wigs. Philip Mungim has been in the hairdressing industry for 36 years and has been providing wigs to the NHS for 12 years with his company, Peruk Wigs. His team will be visiting the breast unit at Worcester Royal Hospital on Thursday, October the 11th from 7pm to 930 PM to discuss the effects of chemotherapy on the hair and scalp. Mr Mungim said it's so rewarding when you're helping people. They come to me with a lot of negative thoughts and go home hopefully feeling more positive. If we succeed with that, we've done our job. If we can alleviate stress, we can help in the recovery in some way. My aim to replicate what they have had with their own hair and give them confidence to walk out of their front door. You meet some wonderful and courageous people. Even the children are so brave. 
With the NHS under great pressure, they haven't got the time or resources to discuss the outcome of chemotherapy on the hair and scalp. I have this desire to run regular discussions at no expense to patients and family, as I think it's important for the family to be aware of what's to come and how to deal with it. You've got a piece now, you going. Mm. My next article mm -hmm. is called Dogs Not Exploited. Mm -hmm. A sighthound racing club believes it is being unfairly targeted by animal rights campaigners after a welfare complaint was made to the city council. An investigation was launched after dogs were found to be competing in 30-degree heat over the summer during unregulated races held by Worcester Whippet Racing Club, WRC. A council spokesman confirmed this week the investigation into the weekly races at Purdiswell Park is still underway and that one official complaint had been received. An eyewitness who watched the races over the weekend said she was concerned there is no regulation of the dog's welfare before or after a race. She said the racing at Purdiswell is a money-making, unregulated dog racing industry, which Worcester City Council seemed to have neither the resources or the inclination to monitor properly. I find it disappointing that this sort of exploitation of animals is being condoned by the council given their responsibility to uphold the Animal Welfare Act. Mm -hmm. On the WRC's Facebook page, Club Secretary Amanda Cozier posted about a dog called Vinny who had a nasty accident during a race which would likely mean he must retire. After having him checked over, it appears his hip dislocated but had popped back in with muscle rips and tears, he, she wrote. Just hope it hasn't knocked his confidence if we decide to race him again. However, speaking to the Worcester News, Ms. Cozier confirmed while Vinny, or Fantastic Mr. Fox, is a WRC member, the accident happened at a national event at the New Forest. Mm -hmm. She said all dogs involved in amateur non-pedigree whippet racing are registered nationally with breeding records kept, mm -hmm. while racing at Purdiswell means a risk assessment setting out precautions is undertaken. She said campaigners such as the eyewitness are ill-informed and have neglected to ask those involved about the events and instead jump to conclusions. This accusation of exploitation is completely inaccurate and offensive to our members whose dogs are pets first and foremost, but race because they love chasing and this is a controlled method of doing so. She said the club pays the council for the use of the fenced-off track, like footballers have to pay for the pitches, which is paid for by entry fees and club membership. I'm afraid we are out of pocket each week, so we are definitely not in this sport for the money, but the joy of seeing our dogs compete against each other. Some good news now. 50 members of the Worcestershire Ambassadors have smashed their £50,000 fundraising target for a hospice by walking 50 kilometres. The amazing adventurers team of 50 completed the 31-mile course 
as part of a 359-strong field walking the Thames Path Challenge from Egham in Surrey to Henley-on-Thames. To date, the total raised is in excess of £57,000, including gift aid for St Richard's Hospice's Build 2020 appeal to raise funds to expand their Worcester premises in order to care for more people. The team on the day included Worcester Mayor Rab Jabarias, Phil Dutton, Chair of the Worcestershire Ambassadors, Tricia Cavell, Fundraising Director of St Richard's Hospice, and other members of the Worcestershire Ambassadors and their friends and family. Ambassadors Board Member Philip Fowler drove the project and said... As a group, we were very committed to not only raising as much as possible, but to walking every step in loving memory of Ambassador's founding member and former Vice Chair Derek Fragley, who passed away in July 2017. The route was stunning along the Thames, and we were lucky to have good weather which assisted our challenge. Thanks to everyone who has donated and supported our training and efforts on the day itself. Councillor Riaz added, Most of our group had undertaken various levels of training in advance of the walk, but on the day itself, legs were still aching and feet were very sore with blisters. This was undoubtedly a tough challenge, but I think I speak for everyone when I say what a wonderful experience it was. We are still buzzing from the achievement and the delight of raising so much for our amazing St Richard's Hospice. The Ambassador's team completed the walk on September the 8th in times ranging from 8 to 12 hours. Those wishing to donate can still do so by sending a cheque payable to St Richard's Hospice to Tracy Hopkins, 232 Holly Hedges, Malvern Road, St John's, Worcester. Okay, I've got a very sweet little story here. A teddy received care from surgeons, putting his owner's mind at rest. Snuggles underwent surgical reattachment of a blanket before being reunited with his young owner, who had shared a theatre with her teddy at Worcester Royal Hospital. He was brought in with a young patient just before she was due to have an operation. (laughs) Snuggles was looking a bit battered and bruised, so while the theatre was being set up, the surgeon helped the teddy. A note was left for the surgeon with instructions to give the teddy lots of cuddles. A spokesman from the Worcestershire Acute Hospital's NHS Trust said, It was a nice gesture to make the patient feel more relaxed about what she was about to go through. Sport. I'll start off with one of the sporting articles. It's about the City fans' reaction to the news of the stadium appeal win. Worcester City fans greeted with cautious optimism the successful planning appeal for a new stadium at Purdeswell. News broke on Friday. This is October the 1st paper. 
that the uh, Worcester City Supporters Trust had won the appeal to the Planning Inspectorate over the application rejected by Worcester City Council. Former club chairman Anthony Hampson maintained pushing for Purdiswell would be futile due to the council not supporting a land transfer for use by the city. The club's hopes of building a new ground at Parsonage Way, a site it worked towards alongside council officers, got branded unfeasible at the back of end of July, prompting Hampson to relinquish his post. In the wake of that decision, taken at Worcester Guildhall, council leader Mark Bayliss said that Hampson had been fairly correct in saying there's not support on the council for a land transfer at Pertiswell, citing transport issues. Mm-hmm. That lingering issue left city supporters at Saturday's 2-1 win at Walsall Wood pondering whether the political will exists to turn their dream homecoming into a reality. Ken Johnson, a city fan and trust member who lives close to the Purtisville site, said it had been said so many times that Purtisville is the only place for it to be. The reason it was chucked out last time was political. I see Gloucester City has just been backed by their council to return home having been away longer than we have. We've had no support from our council. Who knows whether what's going on to change? I hope so. We have a lot of work to do, but we're together, and that can only be good. Simon Copson was born and bred in Worcester, but is now based in London. He travels to most home and away matches. I'm really happy, but it the planning process, that is, should never have gone that far in the first place, he said. I cannot understand why people are complaining so much. There will only about 20, be about 25 first-team games there this season, and you're not talking about thousands of people. It will be much the same as in it is at Purdiswell. At the moment, people won't notice the difference. <coughs> Club volunteer Paul Hundley said it would be the best thing that could happen to this city. Purdiswell is the best place to have it, and I cannot see what the issues are. There's, there's plenty of ground for many people to enjoy what they want to enjoy. We need a football club in Worcester. Bob Baisley, another voluntary member of City's support cast, said, I think it's an awful long way to go. It will require a change of mind from people at the council. Otherwise, I don't see how it could progress. There's no certainty at the moment. Frank Beatstrack, whoops, a former Worcester resident who regularly attends matches despite being based in Walsall, said the main problem is we will still be have to be able to rent the land, there is no guarantee that the council will allow that. They have a great big swimming pool there, why not have a sporting hub? It's not going to cost them any money at all, the club would build the ground, so what's the problem? And uh, where are the people going to park to go to the football match? 
Sorry? Where are the people going to park that go to the football matches? God knows. That's, that's their problem, not mine. Uh, it, it, it's a problem for the people that live by bird as well. Yes. yes. Right, moving swiftly on, rugby union. Match winner Ted Hill insists Worcester Warriors want to inflict a dent in the Gallagher Premiership this season after stunning Leicester Tigers at Welford Road. The 19-year-old back rower marked his league debut with a brace of tries, including a dramatic last-minute score, to secure Warriors a 44-37 win over Tigers on Sunday. The victory ended a run of three successive defeats and saw Warriors move from bottom spot to ninth position in the table. It was amazing to beat Leicester, Hill said. We had a great training week and went to Welford Road with the confidence that we were going to do a job. We did that, so we're really happy with ourselves. Hill's first try came at the start of the second period as Worcester opened up a 37-11 lead before Tigers came storming back to level at 37-37. We regrouped under the post and had a chat, said Hill, on his side's response to Leicester's stirring fight back. Everyone stayed calm and said, let's get out there and focus on our next job. We just showed massive resilience in that second half there. Fair play to Leicester as they kept coming at us. But we stood our ground really well, just managed to hold them off in the last minute. Hill said it was a shock when he was asked to get onto the field after Sam Lewis was forced off through injury on 26 minutes. And the ex-Malvern youth player, who made his first senior appearance last season, thanked experienced forwards Gerrit Jan van Velze and Marco Mama for having him to set, helping him to settle against Leicester. These are guys I look up to, having come through the Worcester ranks, Hill said. They've helped me massively throughout the training weeks, especially during the game, as they kept talking to me. Welford Road is one of the greatest places to play, so I'm happy to have made my debut there. Hill, educated in Worcester, said he joined Warriors Youth Setup when he was 13 and lived just a five-minute drive away from Six Ways. I've played for Warriors throughout most of my life, so this means a massive amount, said Hill, who will hope to feature when Worcester visit Exeter Chiefs tomorrow. I am grateful to be in the position that I am in, so hopefully I can keep improving. I would like to thank all my coaches throughout the Worcester AASE, and I really enjoyed my time there, and they helped me to get me where I am today. Some cricket news now. Worcestershire skipper Joe Leach is on target to return to full training when the players report back for their winter programme in November. Leach has been sidelined since early June with a stress fracture of the back and played only five championship matches this summer. But the 27-year-old has made a successful start to his rehabilitation programme. County Head of Sports Science and Medicine Ben Davis said Joe picked up a stress fracture of his back in June. He has made a really good start to his rehab with no pain at all. He is doing bike work, cross trainer work and circuits in the gym. He's progressing exactly how we want him to. He will join in full training with the lads in November. 
Leach was Worcestershire's leading wicket-taker for the 2015, 16 and 17 seasons, with a combined tally of 193 county championship wickets, taking 59, 65 and 69 respectively. Batsman Josh Dell, who signed his first professional contract with the county earlier this summer, has had surgery on a dislocated shoulder. He suffered the setback while playing Birmingham League cricket for Umbersley towards the end of the season. Davis said, Josh had an op on his shoulder last week and we expect him to be fit in three months. By January time, he will be fully fit. Meanwhile, Worcestershire's Moen Ali has arrived in Sri Lanka for England's ODI series and IT20 series against the host nation. The all-rounder and his teammates touched down in Colombo just four days after the climax to the English domestic season. England will play two 50-over warm-up games in Colombo on Friday and Saturday, ahead of five ODIs from October the 10th until the 23rd, and a T120 on October the 27th. Moeen will stay on for a three-match test series until the end of November. County 2018 overseas player Travis Head enhanced his chances of making a first test appearance for Australia by scoring 90 not out in the only warm-up match against Pakistan A in Dubai. The 24-year-old hit Ten fours in his 200-ball knock after going in at number five. He added 106 with Mitchell Marsh, 162, and an unbroken 77 with Marnus Labouchang, as Australia totaled 494 in replay to Pakistan A's 278 all-out. Head continued the good form he had shown during Australia A's away series with India A after leaving Blackfinch New Road at the end of July. He scored a century during the tour of India and then signed off with successive scores of 87, 68 and 47. Head has made 39 one-day and 16 T20 appearances for his country, but a test breakthrough has eluded him. I've got a story about netball. Pivotal Vitality Netball Super League defender Sam Cook will return to Seven Stars for a second season. The 16-cap ex-England international and league champion, 26, has been confirmed the 2019 term for the Worcester Club. Goal Defence Cook, the 2018 Supporters Player of the Season, said, Since joining Stars, my passion for competing has been reignited and I have fallen in love with the sport all over again. The squad is very different this year. There are a lot of new players from a variety of clubs, so I'm excited to see what energy this brings to the franchise. 
It's going to be interesting to see how this new talent improves our style, so I can't wait to start training. The Gloucestershire Ace was first introduced to netball at secondary school and in 2015 gained her first senior England cap against Jamaica. Before joining Stars, Cook played for Team Bath when they won the Super League. She's also head coach for Stars Pathway Programme, which nurtures and develops their young talent. Stars head coach Sam Bird said, Sam is a fantastic competitor on course and has a fantastic ability to check the opponent's shot and brings the ball through well. She's an excellent athlete and picked up several player of the match titles last season. She made a great entry into the team last year and quickly became a pivotal defender for Stars. I'm really excited about the squad. We have and we are looking to compete alongside the best in the league. Thanks, Moira. Now we have on this day, the 4th of October, events and anniversaries for this particular date from years gone by. Some historical interest. So, on the 4th of October 1535, Miles Coverdale's translation of the Bible was published. On this day, 1883, the Boys' Brigade was founded in Glasgow by Sir William Alexander Smith. On this day, 1895, deadpan hero of the silent screen, Buster Keaton, was born in Kansas. His parents were acrobats in vaudeville, and by the time he was three years old, Buster was in on the act. On this day, 1911, Britain's first escalators were introduced, connecting the district and Piccadilly platforms at Earls Court Underground Station in London. On this day, 1957, Russia launched Sputnik 1, the world's first satellite. On this day, 1958, the first transatlantic passenger jet service began operating. On the 4th of October 1970, the American rock singer Janis Joplin died. She left $2,500 in her will, quotes, so that my friends can get blasted after I'm gone. <laughs> and on this day, 2010, Comedian and actor Sir Norman Wisdom died in a nursing home on the Isle of Man, aged 95. Mm -hmm. Now we bring you some death and funeral announcements from this past mm -hmm. week. Mm -hmm. I'll start and then ask you to continue after me. Alan Aubrey Jones passed away peacefully in hospital on September the 20th, 2018, aged 85 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday, October the 8th at 1.45pm. No black dress by request, please. Beryl Wood passed away peacefully on Wednesday, September the 19th, 2018, aged 83 years. Funeral service will take place at St Martin with St Peter Church of England Church, 157B London Road, Worcester, WR5 2ED, on Monday, October the 15th at 1.45pm, followed by committal at Worcester Crematorium at 3.15pm. Mm. Diane Dorothy Freeman, née Badger, 
passed away peacefully on September the 20th, 2018. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, October the 11th at 2.30pm. No black by request, please. And Simon John Taylor passed away peacefully in hospital on September the 22nd, 2018, aged 50 years. Funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, October the 11th at 12.15pm. Doreen Vera Brace, uh, retired from WH Smith Worcester, passed away peacefully in hospital on September the 18th, age 86 years. Uh, funeral service has taken place. Lillian Edwards, knee Charland, died peacefully on Wednesday, September the 12th in Worcestershire Royal Hospital after a short illness. Uh, she will be sadly missed and her funeral service has taken place. Reginald Harry Green of Northwick, Worcester, formal metal box employee, died peacefully on September the 12th, 2018, after a long battle with cancer, aged 83 years old, and his funeral service has taken place. Yukosav Miloslavich has passed away peacefully on September the 20th, 2018, aged 93, and his funeral service has taken place. Margaret Tipper passed away peacefully at St Richard's Hospice on September the 25th after a short illness. No funeral details have been given. Michael Brian Wood sadly passed away at St Stephen's Nursing Home on September the 12th, 10th, aged 89. A service to commemorate his life has taken place. Philip Harry Clark passed away peacefully in hospital with his family by his side on September the 14th, 2018, aged 90 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, October the 10th at 12.15. John Danks of Bilford Road, Worcester, passed away peacefully on September the 26th, aged 92. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, October the 10th at 2.30. Roger Schoolcraft, aged 69, passed away on September the 19th. The funeral service will take place at St George's Roman Catholic Church on Wednesday, October the 10th at 12 noon. Frederick Alexander Ballard of St Catherine's Hill sadly passed away aged 88 years. His funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Monday, October the 8th at 12.15pm. And William Minot, I presume it's Minot, passed away peacefully on September the 16th, 2018 at Northwick Grange Care Home at the surface of uh, at Worcester Crematorium has already been held. Iris Davis of Worcester passed away peacefully on the 10th of September, aged 83 years, uh, her funeral service will be at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday, October the 9th at 10.45 p.m. a.m. Whoops. A.m. 
And now I'm going to ask Moira to read out the birthdays for the coming week. Mm-hmm. Okay, so on the 7th of October, Peter Trentfield. Yes. On the 11th of October, Michael Jones. And both on the 12th of October, Alan Steadman and Ivor Sprague. So happy birthday to all of you. And now Paddy will read out the thought for the week. So this is uh, Saturday the 6th, Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4. You will keep perfect in peace, peace him whose mind is steadfast, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord is the rock eternal. Thank you, Paddy. Now some useful telephone numbers. Out of hours medical help, 6 to 8 p.m., 0300 NHS non-emergency 111 Malvern Theatre 01684 892277 Worcester Live which is for the Swan Theatre Huntingdon Hall and also Henry Sandon Hall Worcester, that's 01905, of course, 611427. Worcester Hub for council matters, Worcester 765765 or 72233. Crime Stoppers, 0800555111. And Samaritans. 116123, which is a free phone number. Okay, we've got some letters for you now. I'm starting off. Sir, three people have been jailed for protesting against fracking. Fifteen people will soon be going to court to face terrorism charges for a peaceful protest that grounded a chartered deportation flight. Is anyone outside of the government happy that the legal system is being used in this way? People in Lancashire and their democratically elected representatives repeatedly said no to fracking, but the government ignored them, so much for localism. The planet has just experienced a global heatwave. There were fires in the Arctic Circle. Seeking short-term profit at the expense of a sustainable environment is madness, yet that is what our government is committed to. We need a government that respects local democracy and believes that we need to urgently deal with climate breakdown. And that is a letter from Neil Lawrenson of the Worcester Green Party. Brexit's effect on the community is the theme of Barry Jones and Morgan's letter. Sir, Brexit has real consequence in the local community. And so the next Lansdowne question time debate and discussion in Malvern will address the question, Brexit, how will it affect our community? Question mark. The panel will include representatives of the local region, National Farmers Union, the NHS in the Midlands and local businesses. The independent chairperson will be the Reverend David Haslam from Evesham. 
In the short to medium term, to at least the year 2030, Brexit seems certain to negatively affect Malvern Hills, as it will negatively affect most of the rest of the UK. How will local enterprises, organisations, families and individuals cope? What real evidence is there that the local will, locality will have a better or worse long-term future, say from 2030 onwards? Might the country and many of us people, including many families in Morven, continue to get relatively poorer and poorer year by year into the long-term future? Question mark. Details and free tickets for this event on Saturday, October the 20th at the Methodist Church in Lansdowne Crescent. I wonder what it was leading up to, which will start at 7.30pm. Can be found by searching online for Event Bright Brexit Malvern and follow the link. And that's what Barry Jones tells us. <coughs> right, this letter is from somebody who is called A. Kilvington of Malvern and it's called Fairer Funding. Schools in Worcestershire are at a disadvantage compared with pupil funding elsewhere. £887 less per pupil spent on education compared to those in Birmingham. Nationally, 91% of schools will have lower pupil funds in 2019-20 than 2015-16. Schools in Worcestershire, one of the lowest funded counties in the country, are at crisis point. As parents of children at state schools in Worcestershire, we have witnessed effects of cutbacks as schools juggle finances with diminishing funds. Schools have increased class sizes, compromised staffing levels, offer less support for those with additional needs and trim down the curriculum and subjects taught. Schools have to meet increased costs of running buildings, pensions, now the pay increase in wages, for which there is no new funding from the Treasury. Last week, 34 secondary schools asked parents to write to MPs concerning the issue of underfunded Worcestershire schools. Children in Worcestershire are let down by cutbacks and there is less funding per child due to our postcode. MPs should fight for fairer education funding for children in their constituency. School years are precious. Schools and pupils of Worcestershire deserve more. Sir, it is the silly season again, building houses on water. The 1947 map of that year's flood shows that the site of at Old Northwick Farm, where houses are proposed to be built, was flooded. Most of the site has been submerged at various other times. Uh, farmers lost crops more than once. Bloor Homes did not continue their plan, neither did another proposed developer, but now we have another to beat the odds. Affordable homes mean children, children attracted to water. That's tempting for them. Mortgages? Question mark. Doubtful. Insurance, likewise. Even the Environment Agency changed its stance. It is not a clever idea, even using today's techniques. 
never will stop water finding its own level. Ah oh, well, the government says we need more affordable houses. We'll supply canoes, that's the answer. And that comes from Graham Russell of Worcester. Okay, my letter is from Ryan O'Connor of Worcester. Sir, I have always really enjoyed your reporting and been a big fan of your paper, but your website is in need of improvement. It's very clunky and not well designed. When browsing on iPhone, I lose the will to live as it's so jumpy. Web browsing is not much better. Think you need to review this as it's a big, big turn-off. Like I say, I'm a big fan, but you need to update your online services. And there's an editor's note that says, we welcome feedback regarding our various platforms. Our web, actually it says, our, our various platforms. Our web team are aware of some issues on the website and are working to address them. Now then, here's another letter from all of them, from Janice Bennett, saying we need our buses back. Sir, please, please can someone help and give us our buses back? I don't know whose idea it was to stop the bus completely during the day. Obviously, they don't use the bus service. It's absurd to expect elderly people to either walk to the link top or down to Morven Link to catch the bus, then carry any shopping back up to the Morven Vale area. Why do they have to completely stop the bus during the day and no buses at all on Saturday? Couldn't they just cut down on a few of them? I'm sure the council and bus companies haven't walked the route that we now have to use. Our doctors was moved over to Prospect View and now they stop an easy route for us to attend appointments. Are we becoming a forgotten area? Yeah. Sounds like it. Mm. <laughs> mm. My next one is a sort of mini article with the letters. Um, a regular one by somebody called Matthew Dresch called Fair Point. And it's, should there be safe spaces where addicts can use drugs? And readers had sent in pictures of suspected drug users in semi-comatose state on benches in the city. Nearly every week this newspaper reports on the toll of drugs in the city. If the statistics are to be believed, then the abuse of the drugs, formerly known as legal highs, is on a rise in Worcester. When we covered the emergence of Black Mamba, also known as Spice, our readers responded with some novel suggestions. Two comments in particular stood out for me. One recommended setting up a safe place for addicts to take drugs in, while another floated the idea of providing them with an empty building furnished with soft mats, pillows and quilts. While the second suggestion may sound like establishing some sort of opium den in the city, the foundation of these ideas is the same, to keep addicts safe and to keep them out of sight. This is not a new objective. We already have pharmacies across the city offering supervised methadone treatments. Methadone is a substitute for heroin and is far less likely to result in an overdose. By providing it to addicts under supervision, it means they can avoid potential viruses from dirty needles and stay out of the criminal underworld. 
However, the idea of a safe space where anyone can take whatever drug they want is fanciful in my opinion. A similar concept was tried out in the famous HBO show The Wire, a crime drama set in Baltimore. In the series, a top brass officer becomes so disillusioned with the war on drugs, he decides to set up a law enforcement free zone called Hamsterdam. The initiative is a stunning success with gangs leaving residential areas and moving to Hamsterdam. It results in a decline in gang violence and the rejuvenation of the old neighbourhoods that the criminals moved out of. However, the police boss does not tell his superior about the lawless zone and when he finds out the whole thing falls apart. The media has a field day reporting on it. There's a range of opinions on what the real solution to the drug question is. Some believe it's decriminalisation, while others demand tougher enforcement. One thing is for sure, a safe space with quilts and pillows is not the answer. Okay, everybody, well, listen up, because this letter asks, is there a dark past in your family? <laughs> Sir, I'm researching families with the dark secret of having a criminal in the family tree. It could be a man or woman who ended up in jail through no fault of his or her own, or a highwayman, a killer, or someone transported for stealing bread. There are many stories of sadness, crime and hardship out there. I am part of a television team hoping to tell these untold stories of real social and crime history for a high-quality and informative news series. Please get in touch, as I'd love to hear from you, at diner at cylin.co.uk or 07804 Okay, I, I've got another little letter from uh, Paul Chandler. Sir, work on Droitwich Bypass was due to start a week ago for 18 weeks. No wonder it's going to take so long. Cones appeared and I have passed through three days running more than once and not seen a soul working. It's time Simon Mallinson took an interest in what happens when he approves work. Right, and one last... Diabetes Tool Diabetes UK has launched a free and easy to use learning tool for people with diabetes. Learning Zone is a new digital platform to help people understand more about their condition and how to manage it. On average, people with diabetes spend just three hours a year with a healthcare professional and for the rest, 8,757 hours they manage their condition alone. Having access to trustworthy information is important, but can be hard to find. Learning Zone offers clinically accurate advice in plain language and is constantly updated in line with best practice. Created by healthcare professionals together with people living with diabetes. If you are living with diabetes, you can try Learning Zone by visiting diabetes.org.uk forward slash zone. And that's from Peter Shorrick, D 
Diabetes UK Midlands and East of England Regional Head. Well, now we've reached the end of this recorded edition. And thank you to Paddy, Hugh, Moira and Duncan, whom I mistakenly referred to as John at the beginning of this recording. We do hope you've enjoyed listening and that you'll come back for more next week. So best wishes from me, Evelyn, and from... Penny. Moira. Yeah, goodbye from Hugh. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.